Star Cruising Altitude, it's time for the Flyover Welcome back to Flyover View, a member of the Heartland Pod family of podcasts and a look at Heartland News from 30,000 feet. From the Gateway Arch to the Rocky Mountains, I'm your host, Kevin Smith, joined today by my co-host, Sean Diller. We have two parts to today's show, the Heartland Headline segment, where we'll cover the biggest stories of the week, followed by the Lightning Round, where we'll cover the rest of our favorites in rapid succession. Hey, Sean, you ready to start the show? Is Hunter Biden ready to become the most well-fed artist of our generation? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I am. Treasury Secretary calls for extension of child tax credit. Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen is calling for the child tax credit to be made permanent as the first installment of the monthly allowance was delivered to parents' bank accounts this week. Under the Biden administration's American Rescue Plan passed by Congress in March, parents are set to receive $250 to $300 per child every month for the rest of this year. The first of those monthly payments, totaling $15 billion, were delivered on Thursday. I think this is something that's very important to continue, Yellen told Morning Edition host Noel King in an interview with NPR. The rescue plan increased an existing tax credit from $2,000 per child to $3,000 or $3,600 for children under six and expanded eligibility to parents with little or no income. It also directed that half the credit be delivered in monthly installments from July through December. But the increased payouts last for only one year. President Biden has proposed extending the credit through 2025, and eventually Yellen, along with congressional Democrats, hopes to make it permanent. It's a very important program that will do a huge amount to relieve child poverty, which has been a tremendously important problem in the United States, Yellen told NPR. Parents who claimed a dependent child on their tax return in 2019 or 2020, or who received earlier relief payments for children during the pandemic, should receive the monthly deposits automatically. Yellen said the administration is also working with nonprofit organizations to alert other parents who might otherwise miss out. We do want to make sure that every child that's eligible to receive this tax credit, a very important source of support, will know about it and be able to get it, Yellen said. The expanded tax credit carries a hefty price of about $100 billion per year, and Biden has proposed paying for that with higher taxes on wealthy individuals. Yellen said, quote, Biden's promise is ironclad that no one earning under $400,000 will see their taxes increase, but very high income taxpayers will see an increase. Yellen says she's confident inflation will ease, saying she's keeping a close eye on it and does not believe the recent surge in prices will continue indefinitely. We shouldn't expect it to disappear next month, but certainly over the medium term, I don't think it will continue. She predicted that as the economy gets back to normal, inflationary pressures will ease, echoing the view of the Federal Reserve. Yellen said unlike the 1970s, when consumers and businesses came to anticipate higher inflation, stable prices are now baked into most people's expectations. She pointed to the yield on treasury bonds, which remains low. That's telling you that market participants believe this is a transitory phenomenon and they're not expecting inflation to continue like this over the medium term, said Secretary Yellen. I know that I got my uh, child tax credit in the bank today. No, I, I haven't checked, but... Uh... I'm hoping that we get ours as well. And one thing I definitely wanted to push back on, you know, what I'm hearing from working class parents and people who are on the verge of poverty or in poverty, you know, for for anyone who says that these payments are going to let people stay at home and not work, that's just bullshit. People want to work and specifically having a little bit of dependable income so that they know they can afford childcare. This is going to allow a ton of people to re-enter the workforce and it is really important to support families with children. I think this is really smart and it, it should definitely be made permanent. 
this just helps ease the pressure. Right. And it's not free money. This is a tax credit, which is important. And this is a little bit in the weeds, wonky economy stuff, but just like a flat tax is regressive in that people with less income pay a bigger percentage of their income to pay a flat tax compared to people with a large amount of income, you know, they're, they're less affected by a flat mm -hmm. tax. Usually the same token, you know, a flat payment out $250 to $300 per child. This is going to have a disproportionately big impact on families with lower income who are paying taxes, who have kids who we should be trying to support and make sure they can afford things like childcare, prescriptions, gasoline, and rent. Lithium could be the key to turning Arkansas oil patch into a battery boom town. America's future will rely on batteries. The crucial chemical in those batteries, lithium, is plentiful under Arkansas. The trick is pumping it out. Enter standard lithium LTD and its plan to mine from the Arkansas ground. Quote, there's not a better place to build a lithium business than in the South Arkansas, said Robert Mintak, the CEO of the Canada-based company staking claims in El Dorado. Arkansas sits on one of the largest lithium resources, he says. Standard Lithium knows necessity is the mother of invention. The company has invented a process that solves two problems, one local and one global. To power all of the batteries in our future, we're going to need millions of tons of lithium. But right now, we make less than 5,000 tons in the U.S., just like the discovery of oil 100 years ago, the solution to that shortfall might be a couple of miles below the ground in Arkansas. The trick is getting it out. Mintax says the smack over formation that sits under us, 6,000 to 7,000 feet deep, goes across a 1,000-mile strike range, referring to the porous layers of limestone that hold the mineral-rich liquid brine. The strike range stretches from North Texas in an arch across five states to the Florida Panhandle. The area is bigger than the West Texas oil patch known as the Permian Basin. Right now, major producers in Australia or South America get lithium through mining, but open pit digging isn't politically or environmentally feasible in America. Good thing Mintech isn't a miner. His partner, Dr. Andy Robinson, has a PhD in geoscience, and they're using chemistry and tapping into a petrochemical resource that has been in El Dorado for 60 years by partnering with a German company called Lanexis. We've developed a process that selectively plucks the lithium ions from the brine. The ability to pluck ions sounds like rocket science and something that often requires a demonstration showing it actually works. At this stage, that's just what SLI is doing. So far, so good. Mintech says that we have in the final tank an extremely high purity lithium chloride solution, all in less than eight hours to get to this point. It almost feels like you could hold a cell phone next to it and wish the ions into the device to charge it up. While Mintech said we're only in the first inning when it comes to bringing this kind of lithium production up to scale, it's the stuff of dreams for local leaders looking for a clean new chapter for the region. Anytime industry is coming, we think it's amazing, not only for our city, but definitely for our citizens, said El Dorado Mayor Veronica Smith-Creer. Cedar County, Missouri, in legal battle with Chicken Farm. While Cedar County awaits a ruling in a CAFO lawsuit, a large chicken operation, 20,000 birds, is moving in. And Cedar County, Missouri commissioners are facing possible litigation as they try to enforce local regulations, which they argue are necessary to protect the health and livelihood of area residents. Earlier this year, commissioners started getting calls from residents about a chicken barn under construction without a permit. 
the show me egg operation, which was apparently not complying with the county's setback rules. Presiding County Commissioner Marlon Collins said the commission brought show me egg in to talk about the issue and apply for a permit. They tried to come up with an arrangement and grant the operation an exception if the neighboring property owners would allow it, but the neighbors weren't interested. Then an attorney representing the proposed chicken farm sent a letter to the commission last month saying the county had no authority to enforce its health ordinance because of Senate Bill 391. The action said, quote, should Cedar County continue to insist we obtain a health permit or bring any action to enforce the Cedar County health ordinance, please be advised that we will seek damages from the county for arbitrarily and capriciously enforcing the Cedar County health ordinance in violation of state law, the chicken shit attorney wrote on June 10th. On June 16th, chicken lawyer wrote again to say that Governor Goldfish Parson had signed another bill, House Bill 271, tightening the state's grip on CAFO regulations even further. That legislation curbed local health officials' authority to issue rules in a pandemic, but it also prohibited duly elected county commissions from imposing standards on agricultural operations that are inconsistent with, in addition to, different from or more stringent than any other law or regulation concerning agricultural operations. For now, Show Me Egg is still building the 20,000 chicken farm. Commissioner Collins said, we can't stop the building. How many birds he puts in there is in the air right now. Yeah, I think we were talking today um, on kind of our little channel where we discussed some of these stories about how great the uh, Missouri Independent has been following all this CAFO stuff. Uh, and that's where we tend to get all of our news on these things. I mean, it's just kind of crazy to me to see the party that preaches small government uh, just basically shitting all over any kind of attempts for local regulation of these things. Yeah, and it really is a giveaway to these large corporations whose shareholders obviously do not live in Missouri. And, you know, Livingston County is where the cattle operation was that we talked about a lot and the Missouri Independent was covering. And they were looking for an exception to state laws that were on the books about water quality standards. You know, that was up in Livingston County. This is Cedar County, three hours and 26 minutes away. They're 185 miles apart, but these companies just see Missouri as a place where they can come and do whatever they want. And that's really what the state GOP has tried to effect. You know, they, yeah. they tried to create a situation where, you know, come on in, start building your huge operations where you're going to be pumping hundreds of thousands of gallons of hog shit or cow shit or chicken shit into the just right onto the ground and what the state is doing is barring county commissions from protecting the water for their local citizens you know i think it's up to it's just people really need to keep calling their state legislators especially republican state legislators let them know that you're not down for these concentrated area feeding operations yeah this this really does seem like something that could be bipartisan uh, that that folks on the right and left your everyday folks can get behind saying no to marijuana legislation will be a senate priority says schumer senate majority leader chuck schumer on thursday announced on the floor that he will use his clout to make legislation ending the federal prohibition of marijuana a top priority. He says, quote, I am the first majority leader to say it's time to end the federal prohibition on marijuana. And as majority leader, I'm going to push this issue forward and make it a priority for the Senate. 
Schumer doubled down on remarks a day earlier at a press conference introducing a draft of the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, which would lift the federal prohibition on cannabis and allow state-compliant cannabis businesses to have access to financial services such as bank accounts and loans. The legislation is also sponsored by Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden and Senator Cory Booker. Schumer says it makes imminent sense to legalize marijuana. A number of states, including my own New York, has just legalized recently. The doom and gloom predictions haven't materialized in any of these states. And as more and more states legalize marijuana, it's time for our federal cannabis law to catch up. Schumer on Thursday touted the bill as one that would make monumental change. Schumer says at long last, it would take steps to right the wrongs of the failed war on drugs, noting it would remove marijuana from the federal list of controlled substances and expunge the criminal records of those with low-level marijuana offenses. It's a home run idea. Yeah, can't happen soon enough. It's one of the few issues that regular people don't see as super partisan also as a reason for people to get behind it in, in Congress. Yeah, really the only thing holding this up at all is probably backroom situations where there are people who have money wrapped up in like the penal system and there are folks like uh, mitch mcconnell has a lot of money wrapped up in the penal system who could lose a lot of cash if he loses his uh indentured servants yeah no democrats and republicans both take money from the private prison system and i haven't heard this in the news or in the chatter in you know, a few months, but the fact that incarcerating people is profitable is a big reason that we continue to incarcerate people. And in the meantime, we definitely need to stop arresting people. And especially now where it's legal in most places, the people who are being arrested even more than before are people of color. So it's it's even more important to just get this legalized federally. Hey there, folks. I hope you're enjoying the show. I want to remind you that We are a part of a larger family of podcasts, all under the umbrella of the Heartland Pod. You can catch our flagship show, The Heartland Pod, on Mondays every week, where host Adam Summer interviews folks of interest from around the Midwest. On any given week, he could be chatting up a politician, farmer, scientist, you name it. Included in that show is the Talking Politics section, where our panel of experts dig deep into the nuts and bolts of what you're hearing out there. On Wednesdays, you can get one or even two shows between the Marquise Govan Show, a Bully Caucus Roundup, focusing namely on politics in St. Louis and the surrounding regions, and The Delta, a show dedicated to clearing up some of the science being muddied in the news and social media by our own local resident science teacher, Nicholas Linky, and oftentimes Sean Diller himself. And now, the lightning round. Lightning round. National Institutes of Health director is most worried about Missouri's COVID-19 spread compared to any other state. Missouri is the spot on the map raising alarms for federal officials as the COVID-19 Delta variant surges in the Midwest and the South. When I look at the map, Missouri actually jumps out as the place that I'm most worried about because there's a lot of cases now happening very rapidly, says Dr. Francis Collins, director of the National Institutes of Health. This is a variant, the Delta variant, that's highly contagious. And so as it starts to spread, anybody who's not vaccinated is in a danger zone. The chances of getting infected in Missouri are getting really high, and that means potentially serious illness or even death, said Collins, whose agency is the federal government's primary medical research arm. 
Missouri Republican Senator Roy Blunt lamented Missouri's low vaccination rate during a news conference on Wednesday. Senator Blunt said, quote, we are in a fight right now here and throughout the world where it's sort of vaccine versus variant. The way you don't have all these new strains is you don't give the virus anywhere to live. And that means getting vaccinated. Blunt's strong exhortations to get vaccinated are in stark contrast to fellow Republican Missouri Governor Goldfish Parson, who has offered a mixed message in recent weeks going between Marjorie Taylor Greene and some basically full-on Nazi shit. Kevin? (laughs) Yeah. Frito-Lay workers on strike. Leaders of Local 218 of the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers Union have said they plan to meet with Frito-Lay to discuss contract negotiations in the middle of an ongoing employee strike. Mark McCarter, a Frito-Lay union steward, said, We're hoping they come down to terms. Like I've said, we don't want to have a strike. This is not a money strike. This is a deal of trying to be fair. Some of the people that work in this building have not had a raise in nine years. Union leaders said they are hoping to come to agreements on the total hours the company makes employees work. It's sad that some of these people have not been home and have worked 12 hours a day for five months, McCarter says. Frito-Lay employees have been on strike since July 5th. Meanwhile, the strike has begun to cause chip shortages in stores in the surrounding area. One Topeka store has noted that they have received less than half their usual order, and it only features the core brands. No unique flavors. After 34 years, the popular Katy Trail across Missouri is finally complete. The trail, a popular biking and hiking destination in Missouri, was built on top of the abandoned Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railroad after the last train ran in 1986. first section of the trail opened in 1990 and ran from Rocheport to McBain, The Union Pacific Railroad donated 33 miles of rail from the east of Clinton to Sedalia in 1991. Over the years, additional purchases and donations were made to expand the trail. Late this spring, a three-mile gap through Sedalia and the Katy Trail was finally closed, the last open segment along the 240-mile corridor. Now, the trail follows a continuous line from Clinton to mansions near St. Charles, the longest rail trail in the United States. Get out there and get on that Katy Trail. I didn't realize that they started it right after 1986. I was born in 85. It opened in 1990. I feel like I've been going to the Katy Trail in Rocheport since I was like five or six years old. And, uh, you know, my my folks live less than a mile from the Katy Trail in this tiny town of Trelor, Missouri now. It's an awesome, awesome, cool project. I think, you know, the gem of Missouri. Huge, invasive, football-sized goldfish, maybe in a lake near you. Officials at Burnsville, a city roughly 15 miles south of Minneapolis, issued a warning urging residents to stop releasing their pet fish after recovering multiple foot-long aquatic invaders from the waters of the city's Lake Keller. City officials said, quote, please don't release your pet goldfish into ponds and lakes. They grow bigger than you think and contribute to poor water quality by mucking up the bottom sediments and uprooting plants. Released goldfish are known to grow to several times their domesticated size and have been wreaking havoc on the ecological webs that native species depend on to survive. If kept in home aquariums, goldfish usually grow no longer than two inches. But when released into the wild, the teensy fish can balloon to monstrous scales. In 2013, one supersized goldfish captured in Lake Tahoe measured nearly one and a half feet long and weighed over four pounds. And despite their propensity to die while in captivity, the fish are as tough as they come in the wild, capable of living 25 years and surviving for up to five months without any oxygen. The fish evolved to live in ponds that freeze over in the winter, so their bodies will instead convert carbohydrates into alcohol during this period, which they release through their gills. 
When these traits are coupled with rapid reproductive rates, goldfish are quickly able to dominate new habitats at the cost of native species. Officials in Minnesota's nearby Carver County removed about 50,000 goldfish from local waters in November 2020, according to the Washington Post. The county has signed an $88,000 contract with a consulting firm to figure out how to better manage the rogue goldfish. Man, I mean, just listening to this story about the dangers of releasing them into the wild makes me love the analogy of our governor to a goldfish, the all the better, mucking up the bottom sediments. I mean, what making things murky and hard to decipher, like how better to describe his COVID response. (laughs) Well, folks, that's all the time we have. I want to thank you for joining us. And if you feel you have a story that we should look into and possibly highlight on the show, tweet us at the Heartland Pod, and visit us for links to all our shows and our merchandise shop at heartlandpod.com. The Flyover Review is a production of Midnap Media LLC. This week's episode featured reporting from the Missouri Independent, NPR, KTHV Little Rock, The Hill, KSNT Topeka, the Kansas City Star, and the Columbia Missourian. Remember to subscribe so you get this show and all our Heartland Pod offerings with new episodes released Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks for joining us, and see you next week, same time, same place. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's Flyover Review. We'll see you Monday for the Heartland Pod. Mountains of chicken shit coming to Cedar County. (laughs) (laughs) Or jobs, jobs, jobs. Or... (laughs) (laughs) Um, If it walks like a $20,000 egg factory. Oh, damn it. I messed that up. That should be edited. I'm leaving all of that in.